Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. We actually are with you today with the Vanity 6 album. We are so sorry for the delay. We just were not able to get this out on time. We appreciate your patience. But we do have a full money back guarantee. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So follow us on Twitter and inquire about that if you'd like. Yeah, that's if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at TMATS, T M A T S podcast. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea of Prince Podcast, or you can send us an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com. So we're going to talk about Vanity Six. This is the final episode in our 1999. Extravaganza. Yeah, extravaganza. (laughs) Oh, oh, I know. It's sad to leave this era behind. We might have to listen to 1999 one more time and just do another podcast about it just to talk about it. Well, if we run out of Prince albums and want to still keep making The Mountains and the Sea, we can listen. Redux. (laughs) We can. We can. We can do that. So, since this is the first time that we're talking about Vanity Six. It'll be the only time, really, but it's also the first time. Right. <laughs> well, we should talk a little bit about the group. Yes, how they came to be. Prince said wanted to do a female side project group, put a group of women together to front a band for a while. Even during the controversy era, he had started building this group together with his girlfriend at the time, who was Susan Moonsey, mm-hmm. called The Hookers. <laughs> so <laughs> on point. Yes. <laughs> a little too on point, if you ask me. I think Vanity Six was a, a better choice. I agree. Again, but this was a working a very, title. That's uh, very young prince. Yes. Who was, you know, still very into being explicit for the sake of being explicit. Yeah. Well, Why do you was... cuss, Prince? Because I cuss. You know, uh-huh. That was yeah. his answer to it also. Yeah. These were things that were going on in his mind that he was turning into real things. Yeah, well, and at that time, pushing the envelope really was being explicit in that way. That was not something that was mainstream. Now it's really pretty mainstream for a lot of that stuff. At the time, this was kind of new. It was new territory. So, Yes. So Susan Muncy was in The Hookers, the original incarnation in 1981, but the lead singer was Prince's personal assistant at the time, whose name was Jamie Shoup, which is very Prince-like to find inexperienced people and put them in the spotlight. (laughs) Yes. You know, put the pressure on them. And, of course, he was pulling all the strings and playing all the instruments, so there was an experienced person behind it all, but he was not one to go and get a proven talent and bring them in. He was looking for what he felt was raw talent to bring Mm -hmm. in and then mentor, I think. Yes. Yes. And Brenda Bennett was kind of the same way, right? She had some experience, but not a lot. Yes, she was uh, the third member who uh, came into Prince's realm because her husband was Roy, and he was a set and lighting designer on the Controversy Tour, and she did makeup for the band, and that's how she got brought in to be part of the group. Which is kind of... Neat. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting that he chose somebody who was married to be in this band. Yeah. I think that that was an interesting choice. Yep. Yeah. She, like you said, she did have experience. She was really the only one in the group that had singing experience. She was part of a group called Tombstone Blues Band in the 1970s. 
Um, so I'd imagine that means she was the oldest of the women in the group too. Right. More experienced and uh, a little bit older than right. the other two. And then Vanity came into being, whose mm-hmm. name real name is Denise Matthews, uh, or was Denise Matthews. She, it was said, had been harassing Prince's crew backstage. She was a Canadian actress and model and was asking for backstage passes at various tour stops on the Controversy Tour. And Prince's photographer at the time eventually introduced her to Prince and Prince invited her to be part of this project. Yes, I had seen it. Uh, on several places that she was Rick James date to the American Music Awards, mm-hmm. but uh, Alan Blue, yep, the photographer, the photographer uh, has disputed that since that rumor was going around. Yeah, and even the Paisley Park Facebook page has reported it as Prince met Denise Matthews at the American Music oh, Awards. Also, really? so huh. that's a story that's even been reported by official sources. Right. That is sort of known to not quite be exactly how it all went down. Yeah. Well, that's not unusual for things to be not exactly accurate. Well, it's not like there were there were historians following Prince in <laughs> 1981 to no. track all of, you know, I don't I think he was a star then, but no one really expected it to become what it became. Right. Yeah. You know? they, Especially within a 4-year period where he became an international superstar. Right. Well, and, you know, honesty wasn't exactly uh mm-hmm top of mind with this group. The ladies were reported to be quite a bit younger than they actually were. They were right. 16 and 17, I think, is what they were reported to be, and they're actually 20 and 23. Yeah. So they weren't quite as young. So, But it was all part of the mystique. Yes. Yeah. Even with the name, um, which originally Princess Suggestion was to call her Vagina. Oh, I'm so which, glad thankfully, she... she stood up and said, I don't think so, dear. Good for her. Yeah, good, good for, her. for her. Yeah, Vanity, much better name. But even a three-person girl band woman band named Vanity Six. Where did the six come from? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's part of the stretching of the truth. Oh, no. I heard that the... What I read was that it's the number of breasts. A nipple count? Uh, Well, not a nipple count because men have nipples too. Well, but there are so if men there were if there were three men, there uh-huh. would still be the same number of nipples, uh-huh. but there would be zero boobs. Yes. So there are breasts. Yes, I, I was aware of that story okay. too. <laughs> so this was the start of a super prolific period for Prince. As with the Time album that we covered in the last episode, this was primarily a way for Prince's own musical experimentation. Uh, Most of the tracks were written, produced, and performed by him, with a few exceptions that we'll talk about. And this album led the 1999 triple threat release of albums, too. This album came out on August 11th, 1982. The Times album that we covered last episode came out about two weeks later, uh, August 25th. And Prince's own album, 1999, came out October 27th in 1982. So if you were a Prince fan and knew about these projects, the fall of 1982 was a very happy time for you. You were spending all your money on print stuff. You were. You were. All of it. Yep. So we've got eight songs on this album. Eight. Eight. Eight songs on the album. (laughs) Um, Um, Yes. And of them, four of them were singles, which is insane because that's more than, probably more than were needed. 
Well, percentage-wise, more singles than were typically typically released on a major Prince album, too, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Yeah. He was trying something, seeing how it went. A lot of the promotion for this album was the Triple Threat Tour, which yep. was the 1999 tour. Yes. The Time played the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they were the band, the backing the band. band for mm-hmm. Vanity Six when they performed. Right. Uh, supposedly, Jill Jones... Sang Susan Moonsey's parts from backstage, according to Prince Vault. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was said that Susan was the least talented of the singers in the group. Yeah, maybe the one that struggled the most. Yep. Would have been harder for her to do well on tour. Yeah. Yeah. Prince and Des Dickerson did a lot of the music on the album, a lot of it before the band was even really formed. Right. Even before he had the hookers. Yep. Set up, let alone Vanity Six yes. set up. Supposedly, yeah, so. Andre Simone was also working on putting it together a quote unquote girl group. Okay. And Prince beat him to market. <laughs> yes. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Mm hmm. So this album reached number 45 on the U.S. Billboard pop chart, which I think is pretty successful for, you know, a guy like Prince who hadn't really broken into mainstream yet to be one of his protege albums that's pretty successful to me and especially since it also reached number six on the u.s billboard black chart Mm -hmm. and especially since only two-thirds of the women were black (laughs) yes the album was certified gold in 1983 actually i didn't know that a lot of copies that is a lot of copies that's a lot of this album yeah yeah 1983 is when it was certified? Yes. I would have guessed that it had been certified gold after Purple Rain came out, and a bunch of people went diving back into Prince's back catalog to mm-hmm. see what they had been missing when they didn't know about him. So that surprises me. Yep. I did not read that. I hadn't read also, that. Also, in the summer of 83, Vanity left the group to pursue a solo career. Yeah, she was supposed to be Prince's love interest in Purple Rain, yep. and she walked away from the project and from Prince's inner circle, uh-huh. um, and they had actually already started recording songs for a follow-up album for Vanity Six that we'll talk about too, but those never came to fruition with Vanity Gone. Obviously, Vanity Six had to go away also. Right. Uh, Prince brought Apollonia in, and the group reformed as Apollonia Six, which yeah. is what you saw in Purple Rain. Yep. And Denise Matthews' vanity did pass away in February of 2016. Yeah, it was said that while even Prince made it part of his uh, piano and a microphone tour, reflected on her life and was obviously touched by her passing. And a lot of people had said that's what led to his own decline in health Mm -hmm. and mental state, that someone he was so close to and never really reconciled with. Right. Had left the world. Right. Yeah. And my understanding is he paid for her funeral services and her early death at the age of 57 was 56 or 57. Mm -hmm. After she left this group and had gone to pursue a solo career, it didn't really take off. She had a addiction issue for quite a number of years and it led to kidney failure. So she had overcome that yeah. mentally but some of the physical yeah it catches up with you yeah. it does it's too bad it is very very sad but in the meantime we can relish in what's left behind that's which right is this album and collaboration uh, which is a tiny little gem of 1999 era prince music 
Uh, there are some highlights and there are some lowlights, <laughs> and we're here to talk about all of them. Mm-hmm. So yes. shall we get started yes. with track one? Absolutely. We waste no time setting the stage well, for... Well, let's talk about the the album cover just a minute. Okay. Because, okay, so we're not going to talk about the videos because we didn't talk about the time videos. Right. And there were some, and they're arguably better than the Vanity Six videos. And I think we learned her lesson from Carmen Electra I think, that we yeah. don't need to cover protege videos. We'll, Only we'll print- review them and if they're worth covering, we'll cover them. But <laughs> We're if not we look at them these. and say these aren't as good as the time videos from nineteen eighty two, then we're going to skip them. Fair. Yep, it's the ladies on the cover, Brenda and Susan, Susan mm-hmm. are in lingerie, yes. though Susan's is like she, her top is long sleeved, yeah. And uh, Vanity, you assume that she's probably nearly naked under her her jacket, her jacket, but mm-hmm. she's all covered up. Yes. So in their pictures on the back, they're a little more scantily clad, but only from really the shoulders up. Yeah, is all you see, and then the inside is just. Yep, <clears throat> album uh, track listing yep. and Times. credit, which is sort of also a bit of <laughs> fabricated. fabricated as well, we know. <laughs> and yeah. then the players, the time, produced and arranged by the Star Company and Vanity Six. Yes, and so. all the photography was done by the same man that introduced Prince to oh, yes. Denise Alan, Matthews. Alan Blue. Yep. Very cool. All right, now we can talk about... The first song on this album, which is probably the most well-known. For sure. Nasty Girl. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and also sets the stage very early for if you didn't get it from the album cover. Um, this was going to be a fairly explicit album. Yep. It sure was. In many ways. Yes. Not that this song, I don't think this song is explicit. No, um, not really. It was radio, it was radio friendly because yeah. it was released as a single. Yes, it doesn't take much to read under, between the lines, not under the lines. <laughs> I was going to say under the sheets or between the lines. Or, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think uh, under the sheets would have been something Prince would have objected to in 1982. Well, he certainly wouldn't so. have wanted me there. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. This song, Nasty Girl, reached number one. On the dance charts, number seven on the R and B charts. Yeah, how cool is that? It's, yeah. I mean, for a, I would say again, this is a super low budget, recorded at home with friends and family album. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, have a number one hit on any chart. I think yeah. is pretty cool. Pretty cool. It was a top ten hit in the Netherlands. It's been. <laughs> it was covered in the Netherlands about the nether regions. Sure. sure. <laughs> All right, it was it's been covered a few times, most uh, recently by Anaya Day in 2004. Oh, I did not know that. It has been sampled like something like 20 times. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest sample is in I'm a Slave for You by Britney mm-hmm. Spears, but that one is uncredited. And really? Yes. The most recent one was in a song called I Got the Juice. By Janelle Moyet featuring Pharrell Williams in 2018. So it's been very recently 
sampled. All right. Well, it was also used by Prince himself and worked into Many times. other songs and in concerts throughout you. his career. There was a Hot With You, the Nasty Girl remix that uses lyrics from this song. And uh, he played it in sample sets all the way up through 2014, uh, where he would trigger backing tracks and sing over it while he was at a DJ booth kind of thing. That's pretty cool. Um, so it was recorded in late March 1982, and Prince plays every instrument on the album, even though the credits give credit to the time. Yes, I think there's a few places where we see Des Dickerson, but on this song, it's all Prince. Yes. Yes. Uh, Vanity has lead vocals, and then Brenda and Susan have background vocals. I thought this was immediately recognizable as a Prince slash the time sound, you know, where his vision of it was almost like he had music written for a sound that would fit the time and has now given it this female personality. Yeah. Fair. All right, now let's talk about the music itself. I thought the intro was kind of really long. Oh, like the beginning of yeah. the song itself? Yeah. I thought it was a little a little drawn out. I could have I could have gotten to the lyrics a little bit oh. quicker. Um I would have <laughs> thought this would have been better as an instrumental. <laughs> There. Which we hear a lot of uh, <laughs> when Prince would play it later. But, I mean, let's cut to the chase pretty quickly. This was not a vocal powerhouse no. group. So, to me, a lot of the lyrics when there is singing, it's weak. Well. But I will say I think that this song is probably the be- the most well-sung song on the album. I'll go ahead and give this its credit up front that I thought Vanity Six's vocals we're good, especially towards the end where she's got some vocalization and ooh-ahs and these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it sounded really good. Yeah. That's good. All right, let's talk about some lyrics. Well, so, the, whole, the whole song is sung from a standpoint of control in a sexual relationship, yeah. I would say. It's got a very rhetorical chorus. When she asked, do you think I'm a nasty girl? I don't think she really cares oh, what yeah. the man thinks. It's, <laughs> it's her doing it and saying, is that uh-huh. what you think? Well, I guess that's your problem. <laughs> you know, and then puts... Or your success, yeah. yes. you know. Yeah, that's you, right. You, yeah, yeah. You Maybe if, you're, <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing, right. lucky you. Yes. If you're not, oh, that's too bad. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. She's uh, looking for a man who will do it on the limousine floor. Yeah. I'm looking for a man that'll do it anywhere, even on the limousine floor. Which I thought, I'm like, okay, well, she's looking for a successful man because on the uh, floor of a limousine. How'd you get there? Yeah. But then she turns around and she talks about sailors. I think they've got water on the brain. Right. I guess I'm just used to sailors. I think they got water on the brain. Well, maybe she doesn't care so much if they're successful or smart because she's basically calling them not stupid. Yeah, Yeah. not smart at all. And she just wants somebody who's good in bed, or maybe Uh she's an equal opportunity. I think someone who's good in bed, I think, is a good assumption there because she, you know, even says, you know, even well, the song ends up with, "Is that it? Wake me when you're done." (laughs) She'll be the only one. It was so like such so much shade there. It was great. Yeah. Wake me when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> she had a spot where she said, if you ain't scared, take it out. If you ain't scared, take it out. Uh-huh. And all I could think of was that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine <laughs> goes on a date. He took it out. 
I believe she was cleaning her glasses at the time, and the way she delivered the line was, he took it out. Yes. Yes. He took it out. Yeah. Um, there's other memorable lines in this too that I made note of where she says, that's right, I can't control it. I need seven inches or more. Uh-huh. I need seven inches or more. What? Okay, uh, so that's interesting that you bring that up because it could be a size requirement of her men. Could be. Or she really loves dancing because a seven inch record mm-hmm. was, would be the minimum length of the song that she would yes. want to dance to. Right. So I'm like, oh, I like how it works on more than one level. Yes. There's some, yes. there's some smartness to yes. the lyrics here. Well, and then there's a spot where she says, please, please. please, please. And mm-hmm. where, I which like she that sings very well. I think she does. Uh-huh. And I like that it's, a word, the same word twice, but has different meanings. Uh-huh. One is imploring, and the other is what she's imploring for. Yeah, that's true. So I liked it. Yes, the intonation said was... a lot with the yes. same word is what yes. you're saying. Yes, um, She also mentions get it up, get it up, I can't wait anymore. Mm-hmm. Get it up, get it up, I can't wait anymore. Get it up is a song from the Times' very first album. Not sure that you knew that, because we no, haven't gone back there yet. So there is some... You know, reverence to, you know, Prince's catalog at the time, which was not small by 1982, but certainly was not huge. Right. Yeah. So I thought this was a good intro track. I'm sorry you felt that it started slow. I really enjoy the, I guess it's just because I remember Prince playing that song and he would start, you know, the crowd would recognize it in 2014 and he would call them crazy and not sing any of it, (laughs) you know, just to taunt them. (laughs) Between that and Darling Nikki... He would play. He would play the beat, and they were, you know, initially super recognizable, and then he would move off into other directions. It's just this what tease. A tease. Like this whole song is a little bit of a tease, and, and he would tease with it. Uh huh. Yeah, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Then we go on to the second song, "Wet Dream." Yeah, something I think you. Maybe it's because I am a boy that I no. normally associate with boys or yes. young men. Not well, something that you associate. Yes. I think you get the point that it can happen, but you right. don't really hear well, about it. And it's not so much that you don't hear about it, but there's no emission of any kind when yeah. a girl has a, yeah, it's not a, like, a erotic dream. She doesn't have to change her sheets. Yes, I was just going so. to say it's not the walk of shame to the laundry room. <laughs> So this was one of the first tracks recorded for the Hookers that you mentioned that some of the some of these songs were recorded long before the group was even formed that Prince was doing these things. Uh, it was recorded in the summer of 1981. Then Vanity and Brenda's vocals were added uh, more almost a year later in the spring of 1982. And I think you can really hear the fact that this has a very Dirty Mind era guitar song. Agreed. If you go back and listen to When You Were Mind and the guitar sound that Prince used in that song. Shows up here a ton in this song. All right, Prince played all the music, as yep. you just said, but it was credited to Vanity Six in the time. Yes. Uh, uh, it was the B-side to He's So Dull in the right. UK. Uh-huh. It's a very fast pop song. Yeah. I mean, kind of despite its title and despite, I think that you just look at the back of the album and read the 
song titles, and you can see why it didn't get a lot of play. It might have even been more successful had it been a little less sexual. Yeah. But for a bunch of women who, like you said, are in their 20s, we have, and even Prince and Morris were in their 20s at this time, they sung a lot about high school. Yes. A I, lot I, about high school. I made a note about that, too, that they're really trying to sell the youth yes. of the women, of all the boys at school. Yes. I'm like, I get they were probably, they were skewing younger. The target audience for this That's was true. skewing a little younger. That's they were true. trying to make them more relatable, but. I think even ooh. today listening to it, it's, it's easy to forget that they weren't that far removed from high school. Not now, really. Obviously they're in, they're prof- professionals. They're professionals and amateur professionals, I guess you could say. Yeah. They're maintaining but, their amateur status so they can. They're doing a good job at it. Um, <laughs> this is, the music and the lyrics on this are very repetitive. Yeah. I think, and it kind of is the hallmark of that sort of new age sound from the early 1980s that Morris Day and the Time right. screamed that they didn't like. Yeah. Despite making a lot of it. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Well, it had this like almost sweet sounding mm-hmm. yeah with synths. the keyboards and, yeah, yeah they were kind of sweet and pop sounding and then it was that was really in contrast, contrast to <laughs> the themes of the lyrics a wet dream is just it sounds really kind of dirty and salacious but there's this pop music to it yeah it was interesting it's a lot like how Prince handled a lot of his dirtiest songs early, like before 1999. Uh-huh. There's a song called Jack You Off at yep. the end of Controversy. If you took the lyrics out and listened to it, you would be like, oh, this is a very happy, fun song. And it was, but it was also very, <laughs> very explicit. Very explicit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. The repetition to me came from also from the repeating of the lines, you're my little lover, make my body scream, you're my little lover, number one star of my wet dream uh-huh. and it got a little repetitious yeah. yeah agreed yeah agreed and it's funny because she had she was so jealous mm-hmm. she didn't even know his name right <laughs> like oh jeez. <laughs> Or was it that it wasn't that she didn't know his name, wasn't it that when she saw him with another dame, she got so flustered that she couldn't even remember his name? Oh. I thought I it was a he drives me that kind of crazy. Oh no, I kind of got the idea that she didn't even know his name. Not to begin with. Yeah. She mm-hmm. didn't even know his name. She'd been fantasizing about him but didn't know his name and shit made her angry to see him with another girl, even though she had Absolutely zero reason to be jealous at all. Okay. And then there was the uh, storm sounds. That thunderstorm (gasps) Uh actually is something that reappeared in especially live shows with Prince. Almost all of them have a thunderstorm outro that or intro that might not be the exact sound effect that was there, but is nearly the same. Oh my gosh, through. Even many of the concerts we saw, he used it too. Cool. At the beginning or after, before a uh-huh. um, encore, okay, there would be this thunderstorm okay. thing. So I just thought it was really funny, like yeah, you know, in relation a to rain yes. of 
It's moisture. Right. It's an intense thing, I guess, is what we're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I don't know if it's the same sound effect. I'll have to go back and listen to it now to know if there's the same uh, thunderstorm from this song that was used in his concerts forever. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I thought I could hear Prince in the background a little bit, too. Maybe. I thought so, too. I I was listening to it again this morning. I so hard, and I think, I'll put a little clip of it in here, but I think... Maybe so. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but... Maybe. There was also a follow-up song recorded for the next album that never got an official title. I don't know if you read about it. Called It was given a tentative title of Wet Dream Cousin. <laughs> and it was just an instrumental that Prince felt was musically similar to the song, and so it got that title and was shelved and never went anywhere. But it's out there if you want to hear it. Then we come to Drive Me Wild. Drive Me Wild, the fourth single. Yes, and also the B-side to Nasty Girl. Right. Yeah. It was interesting that they made that choice. We're going to make it as a Mm B-side to the first single, and then we're going to release it as a single. Well, there weren't a lot of choices for songs, (laughs) first of all. Well, they could choose not to release another... (laughs) Another single. (laughs) That was something they did not choose to do. (laughs) That's not. Uh, This was another one that was recorded in the summer of 1981, uh, when the concept was The Hookers, and then Vanity and Brenda's vocals were added in spring of 1982. This is the first very um, mechanical or um, computery kind of yeah, almost sound. like almost like a speak singing or like maybe like the early mm-hmm. early rap. Yep, but it was very you're right, very computer automatic sort of sounding. Right. Yeah. So, and the lead vocals are by Susan Muncy, and again, I think that's why you have the kind of spoken vocals. Right. Because she was said to be not not the most talented singer, and this song certainly lended itself to someone who could just speak, sing, right. early rap, yeah. to this kind of thing. So, yeah. her vocals were already there from 1981. Okay. The background vocals were, were added later, but this is a song that brings back more car and telephone references like many songs during this era. She refers to herself as a number of inanimate objects. Right, a Cadillac. A convertible. I'm a brand new convertible child. Uh, A telephone. Look at me, I'm a telephone. A radio. (laughs) Yes. Look at me, I'm a radio. So Susan got credit for writing this. But to me, it is obvious that it was written by a man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To me, like, I don't think women are going to refer to themselves typically as inanimate objects like that. Mm -hmm. We're already, in a lot of cases, thought of that way. It's not, it's, I wouldn't say it would be natural for a woman to write those kind of lyrics. I'm sure you're right. I don't think any of these ladies were believed to have had a lot of input into <laughs> well, no. lyrics yeah. uh, here. But yes, referring to herself as in- inanimate objects and then giving a man permission to either drive them or call them or tune them the way they that they feel appropriate. Uh-huh. This reminded me of an early, not uh, musically, but lyrically, like an early version of Interactive. Oh, okay. From the Gold Experience okay. era. Yep. Um, of course, there was no, ooh, look at me, I'm a computer. Yeah. 
1982. Right. She's fast and virginal. I've never been driven, baby. You're the first. Right. I've never been driven, but yeah, I, I'm a lot of fun. I didn't think that you would like the second line in the song, I'm a brand new convertible child. Again, it's from, you know, 40 years ago. So it's not something that would be sung today to no. refer to yourself that way. But I did like the music. I thought that yeah. it was uh, very Prince-like. It was something that you could hear in the background of a scene from Purple Rain. It had a very uh, Minneapolis sound yes. sound to it. Yes. I'll give it credit for that. Yeah. Agreed. There yeah. was a long version of this song recorded. And when I say long, I mean like three times as long as the original. I had never even heard it before. I guess my Prince fandom came three or four years after this time period. And this is so rare, you know, or very, very difficult to find now that I never even realized there was a longer version to the mm-hmm. song. Yeah. Um, and Prince worked on it in the same session that he worked on the 12-inch version of Little Red Corvette, same day. Okay. So th- I thought that was very, very cool that mm-hmm. he's working on his own extended version for a song like Little Red Corvette that had become super popular and then spent the time to work on this song a little bit more. The album version is two minutes and 31 seconds, uh-huh. and the 12-inch version is much longer. Yes. It's like seven minutes yes. and 13 seconds, yes. something like that. like we have an um, intro on the long version that's almost as long as the album version itself, like right. before we even get any to any lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, in the long version. You're right. Those, yeah. those are, there are there are no additional lyrics at all. It's all additional instrument instrumentation right. that Prince added. Guitar work and some synthesizer work. Yeah, some really work. cool There's guitar a guitar work. solo. And rhythm guitar that he added. That I think was a great... Uh, you know, again, a remix or a long version, I'm looking for it to add something to the original, and this one definitely does. Right. Very much so. We yeah, also that's fair. We also talked a little bit this morning about the Easter egg that's in Drive Me Wild yes. long version. Yes. So let's mention it here. We'll okay. play a little bit for you. The song starts with a little uh, keyboard and guitar part. kind of goes, do-do-do-do-do. And so, and it repeats throughout the entire song, and, and even over the lyrics, it's added on top of it. If you listen to the dance mix of Let's Go Crazy, there's a portion of that song where that little lick is reused. in the movie and it's also in the long version it's super cool very very cool super cool it's got kind of a funny effect on the vocals too it sounded like bubbles in a bubble bath okay i was gonna say it sounded like they were singing underwater yes like if they if you were in a cartoon underwater this was the kind of effect that you would get. Right. And I Prince, Prince used it cool. himself on the 1999 album in yeah. a couple places where yeah. he's like blowing bubbles underwater or something like that. Right. So this underwater lyric thing was sort of something he was exploring a little bit. Yep. He was a sailor. He had water on the brain. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> One last thing about Drive Me Wild. Okay. It was covered by the Foo Fighters in 1997. I did not know that. Yes, it was quite very rock heavy. A lot of guitars and screaming. And I guess it was like an album track. It wasn't anything they ever released. Did they do some gender bending to the lyrics or were the Foo Fighters? No, it was just... Really? Yeah. I've got to go look for that. That's very cool. I'll probably uh, tweet a link about uh, I'm it. I'm sure you will. You can find us on the internets. Yeah, I'll probably just hop on your computer and see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because then Prince covered a Foo Fighter song at the Super Bowl. Yes. When he performed there. Very cool, right? It's very cool. All right. Then we move into He's So Dull. It was the third single. Right. A minor hit in Australia. Was in National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, it was playing in one of the scenes. Very funny. That sounds like it would work perfectly to me. Yes. Uh, But I did not know that. And it also appeared on some versions of the Nasty Girl single, Mm -hmm. this song. It was written by Des Dickerson. Right. And Prince just appears as a musician. Right. Des played the drums and the guitar and Prince played everything else. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, whether Prince is writing it or Des Dickerson is writing it, um, first of all, we got more lyrics about cars and telephones. This was on, I mean, I guess these are fairly new and experienced drivers, so cars are fun. And well, I've been driving for longer than I've not been driving. I still think cars are fun. I like cars driving. are fun. Let's sing about them. This is the most sing-songy album, <sighs> our song on the entire yeah, I affair. absolutely agree. I just want to do the white man's overbite and snap my fingers. <laughs> and <laughs> it's such an '80s sound. Yeah. And whew, yeah, the bells and the chorus are nice. I didn't notice them. There's some bells in the chorus. All right. They're nice. Okay. That's, um, that's a nice thing to say. So she's irritated that he's reading science magazines. He's always reading science magazines. And I'm like, okay, well, he's not cool, but maybe he's smart. And eventually that's cool. You know, it's maybe not cool when you're in high school, but... Being smart turns out to be way cooler as you're becoming an adult. Yeah, well, she obviously he obviously has her attention in one way or another because she's singing about him. Uh-huh. She knows what kind of car he drives. Uh-huh. She knows where he lives. Yeah, a '63 Rambler. <laughs> to and rhyme with his mother. Uh huh. Yes. Right. And let's be honest, she calls that a boring car, and That's I looked sweet. it up. Oh no, I thought it was like the quintessential boring looking car. Oh yeah. It's just, I mean, it's cool now because it's old, but looking at it is like just the most nondescript, boring looking car. Like, all right. Well, it got her attention maybe because it's so (laughs) bland, but, uh, she knows that he won't go out without a chaperone. How would she know that without looking into it? Uh Uh, she knows that he's too afraid to be alone with her. So she must have asked him to, to be alone, be alone with, her. with her. Uh-huh. So I thought it's sort of the song about rejection. This guy rejected me. 
And now I'm going to sing about how dull he is. Yeah, how boring he is. Right. Yeah. He doesn't wear blue jeans. And I was like, uh, wait, is he a member of the time? <laughs> and he doesn't even wear blue jeans. <laughs> because, baggies. <laughs> because he wears baggies. He wears baggies and not blue jeans. Yes. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's upset that... He won't listen to a word she says. And I'm like, well, if he's so boring, why do you care? Yeah, it's time to move on. All right. And then we get this weird little man's voice. Almost sounds like a fight. Yeah, or he's slamming a door. Um, Yeah, he's like... Yeah. Okay, so I was trying to figure out... Where it came from. Yeah. And this prompted me to go watch. Uh, there are two versions of this video. Oh my gosh. Two. I've, I've watched t- zero. Okay. None. I watched, actually, I watched both of them. At the end of one, Vanity grabs this blonde guy and like pulls his glasses off and starts kissing him. Oh. Boy. And then he falls down some stairs, which I have no idea where they were. The stairs they were weren't. on at least the second floor. Well, but like that, you can't tell that there's stairs around them. All oh, of a sudden, he's following. The stairs appear. He's the stairs like, make a cameo. Well, <laughs> he just falls down these stairs, like kind of inexplicably. Okay. Yeah. So it was. That's where that. Sound that's where came the sound from. came from. That's, I thought he was like, I have lost it. No, that's no, what I got out no, of it. No, he's falling down the stairs. It's it's okay. just it's just sounds of him grunting as he. Falls. Falls. And is harmed. Yes. And he seems pretty into her in the video. Uh-huh. Well, so, I don't know. I don't know, man. The song, the album isn't called Vanity Six. Let's make perfect sense, <laughs> I guess. So right. since we're on this song, can we go ahead and mention the long version? Yes, let's also, do it. Uh, there is a longer version, which is about twice as long, about four minutes and five seconds. Uh-huh. Again, more instrumentation and a little breakdown with the he's so dull chants. Right. But otherwise, it's not all that different. From, no, not It's more really. of the same. From There's a cool the bass guitar in the middle mm-hmm. and some hand claps. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. All right. All right. Time to move on. Yes. Uh, side B, right? If a girl answers, don't hang up. In parentheses. Man, this song. It is. It's, yeah. It was written by Prince. And Terry Lewis, credited to Terry Lewis and Vanity Six. Right. But Prince did all the music, crediting it to the time. Yep. Uh, Vanity and Prince do most of the spoken vocals. Brenda makes, uh, she's got to step in and assert herself at one point also. Okay, so this song, I think it's Wish Fulfillment. Okay. Because they always have the perfect comeback at the perfect moment. Yeah, that's true. This is a wish fulfillment song. That's true. If I called him up and they said this, then I'd say this and I'd say that. It's yes. like, you know, you're laying in bed after somebody really annoyed you and you're replaying yeah. the conversation in your head and you're like, oh, I wish I said this. And this is that song yeah. where they. It's like another it. Seinfeld reference it's, where George had this regret that he didn't make a comeback of, oh, yeah, well, the jerk store <laughs> called and they ran out of you. <laughs> well, the jerk store called. They're running out of you. He could have used Vanity Six. We should call Jerry Seinfeld and tell him. Yeah. We've got to get the band back together and get a Vanity Six type conversation mm-hmm. going on. Yep. I thought that it was more of like a 
your mama's so fat battle. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, none of it of. was about your mama. They involved your daddy. <laughs> But, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. So it's a really, I think the music on this one is standout. Yes. Um, the music's great. There's so many funny lines. Yes. I want to talk about some of them. Okay. Well, yeah. The the n- ins- 90% of the song, is what, I, what I wrote down in my notes is, this is 90% an insult phone fest. Yes. And just calling pearl insults at each one. Loved it. Yeah. It was great. Well, if a girl answers, don't hang up. Just talk about her. Yeah, talk about her. Talk about her. Well, if a girl answers, don't hang up. Just talk about her. Yeah. Yeah, so Vanity. <laughs> so the girl who answers yeah. is Prince. Well, yes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it is, and is Jamie Star voice. Yes. So, yeah, she asks, is Jimmy home? Is it Jimmy Jam? That's her boyfriend. I thought that was kind of funny. Jimmy is... You know, part of the time, right? Or is it just a name they came up with? And yeah, that's her. That's who she's after. Yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) he's in the shower. Did he just take out the trash? No, that's something he used to do. Now he's taking out me. (laughs) Did he just take out the trash? No, that's something he used to do. Now he's taking out me. (laughs) Yes, everything has a comeback that way. Uh huh. Tramp, I'm dating your dad. Tramp, I'm dating your dad. He died seven years ago. Oh, he died about seven years back. Ain't that just too bad? And I love how Vanity's so unaffected when she says, Well, that's how we like him. Tall, stiff, and ready. Well, that's how we like him. Tall, stiff, and ready. <laughs> yes. Positively more than I can say for dead, Jim- dead Jimmy. I don't know. I guess she's assuming that Jimmy's dad is named Jimmy. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, her her line was, that's positively more than I can say for dead Jimmy. That's positively more than I can say for dead Jimmy. Oh, I don't know. So I'm not sure how that how that works. Tie a mattress to your back. This is my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, where Vanity says, why don't you just tie a mattress to your back? And Prince, the way he delivers this line uh-huh. with, I'm going to need it because if I ever see your face, I'm going to fall and have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. It's it's totally, I have the perfect comeback. Yeah, it's a comedy yep. five minutes or so. Yes, I love it. They have, uh, they name check Bite the Beat. Because as far as I see, he can't afford to bite the beat of this star. Yes, Bite yep. the Beat of this star. I want to back up, too, to one of Prince's first lines or first comebacks when uh, Vanity says... Or I know about a great party. Why don't you bring us your car? And Prince says, so sorry, babe, but I never go to singles bars. And the way he says bars is like he can't help but sing it nicely (laughs) in his voice. So sorry, baby, but I never go to singles bars. I don't know. That one word bars just always stands out to me when I listen to the song. Cool. Uh, There's some really cool guitars. Very cool guitar and bass work going on. And what is it? That's Brenda steps in at the end, right? Yes. She's agitated and has had enough. Uh-huh. Okay, so her ranting rap. What's more, you can kiss where the sun don't shine. That don't work, we can do. Kind of reminds me of the same cadence that they used in P-Control on the Gold Experience. Our story begins in a schoolyard. A little girl skipping rope with her friends. Oh, okay. They kind of have the same rhythm to them yeah i thought it i can, I can like, see that i'm listening to it and i'm like almost could sing along p control 
Very cool. That'd be yeah. a cool mashup mix. Ooh. Very if cool. a girl answers, don't hang up and and pee control. Pee control. Yes. That'd be a I can't. Thing. I'm not talented that way. So, but if somebody else wanted to do it, yeah, that, that would be I would cool. be super happy to listen to it. And um, you know, if you tweeted at us, I'd certainly <laughs> tweet out a link. Brenda has <laughs> a great insult I'd never heard before to tell a woman. Hey, tramp, take a bath and puke. Hey, tramp, take a bath and puke. It's <laughs> so gross. It's disgusting. It's nasty. <laughs> yeah. I think great banter back and forth. This was easily one of the highlights of the album. Uh-huh. Very fun, very funny. Oh, Funny Prince is so great. Yep. Yep. All right. Then we have Makeup, the B-side to He's So Dull, mm-hmm. credited to Susan Moonsey. But right, all she did was do the lead vocals again, yep. which are mostly speak sung. Yep. This was to me like a funk experimental processional of getting ready to go out, and kind of like a short verse poetry slam. Yeah, it sounded like experimental poetry mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. So it's just kind of a list of things <laughs> a lady would put on her face yeah, I and guess then her a comment makeup. about it. Yep. Yes, but very also mechanical and repetitive. Yes. She she wants to look nice for him, but mm-hmm. she's also and tempting, but she seems kind of insecure. If I wear a dress, he will never call, so I wear much less. I guess I'll wear my chemisole. Yeah. If I wear a dress, he will never call, so I wear much less. I was like, felt a little sad for her. Yep. It was funny how Prince tolerated smokers around him early on, too. Yes. We know that Lisa Coleman smoked. Brenda smokes. At the end of the song, she says, smoke a cigarette. I'm not ready Ready yet. yet. Smoke a cigarette. I'm not ready yet. Which I thought was like, okay, so she seems insecure, but she's not insecure enough to tell him, yeah, yeah have a hold your horses, mm-hmm. I'm not done. Yep. When I'm finished, we'll go. Right. So I was like, no, oh, okay. It's very short. Um, yeah. It's like two minutes and 40 seconds. And I mean, for that reason, it's kind of this in and out song. It's interesting. I'd never heard a woman sing or speak sing about yeah. something like this before in this way. <laughs> about makeup. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and it's Just such a, a part a of list. a... Yeah. It's, it's almost like a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> a haiku I'll have to count syllables to see if <laughs> <Yes>. that's true. <laughs> I don't think it technically fits, but it's I'm the sure way it that... technically fit. <laughs> but um, very... I mean, this routine turned into something that is more of a, let me try, I'll try again, erase, start over. Uh-huh. So that was interesting. Yeah. I thought there there were the synth sound that kind of mm-hmm. sounds like somebody's playing a saw. Yeah. Which I thought that was kind of interesting and yeah. funny. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very a kind of experimental song. Yeah. Again, I think it's Prince just seeing what else he can make almost. Yeah. And giving the spotlight to others, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Then we have... Bite the Beat, which was written by Prince and Jesse Johnson. It was credited to Brenda Bennett. Jesse did play guitar, bass guitar, and keyboards. Prince did the rest. But, of course, it was credited to the time. It was the second single, but only in the U.S. 
I did not read about the regional thing. I guess I did see that it was the second single, but didn't quite realize that there were these regional uh, things yeah, happening. It was, it was the 80s, especially, all yeah. of Prince yeah. releases. It's confusing. Yeah, and very messed up. Probably <laughs> peaking with Around the World in a Day. Like oh, yes. Covered we, earlier. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Which was a mess of a single it, release. It was a mess. But, you know, it made sense at the time. Whatever. It did. Whatever, man. It was a very, very 80s sounding again. Early oh, rap yeah. speak singing. I thought, I mean, I cannot listen to the song without hearing the Go-Go's We Got the Beat. Yes. It sounds almost like the same song to me. I can't believe that they were they were recorded about the same time, released right. about the same same time. Oh, well, that one broke into uh, popular culture. This it, one, not this one did so not. Much. Right, right. All right. So she says it tastes like caviar. Don't worry, still be dignified. It tastes like caviar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, is this code for something? Mm. Is this? So I looked it up. Okay. Urban Dictionary didn't fail me. Didn't? It did not. Normally it's a giant failure. Normally it fails me. It is, in fact, a euphemism for cunnilingus. Well, there you go. There you go. Bite the Beat is That's what it's about. Yeah, which I did not know. I did not know that either. I Uh, had to look that up. That probably further separates it from We Got the Beat. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Though that does make me wonder if maybe there was another meaning to that song. Maybe so. Uh, it does name check Wet Dream. No more Wet Dreams for Brenda. Yeah, at least not tonight. That's right. There'll be no more Wet Dreams for Brenda. Yeah. Well, and it's like, is that because she's married? I don't know. I don't know why don't she... Maybe she was the only one that was married in the group. Yeah. Hmm. But then they laugh about it at the end of the song. Right. Their, that laughter at the end reminds me of the laughter at the beginning of the long version of Paisley Park that was oh, that we yep. I, and I had wondered at it for a moment is that is that where it came from? It's not the same. No, it's not the same. Yeah. There's a really cool bass guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a lot of hidden. That's what I guess what I meant when we opened the podcast that there's a lot of hidden gems, and you were sort of looking at me like. Did we listen to the same <laughs> album? <laughs> there are musical moments that are very yes. high points uh, throughout this for me. That's fair. That's fair. And then we have the final track on the album. Right. Not the final thing that we're going to talk about today, but this is the final track on the album. Yeah. Three times two equals six. Yes. I think missed opportunity that the song was only five minutes and 24 seconds. (laughs) Should have been six minutes long. (laughs) Just play your guitar a little bit longer, Uh, Prince. Come on. Actually, no. Five minutes and 24 seconds is long (laughs) enough. Or maybe more than enough. Yeah. It was the B-side to both Bite the Beat and Drive Me Wild. Right. Um, It was written by Prince, credited to Vanity. mm -hmm. Des Dickerson did the drums. Right. It's the only ballad on the album. Yes. All, all points I was going to make, you saved me the trouble. Thank you. <laughs> um, I did read that it was one of the last tracks recorded for the album in March or April of 1982. Yeah. I also found it interesting uh-huh. that for an album that came out in mid-August, to know that the last track for it was recorded in March or April was a little surprising to me. That seems like a long time. Yeah. 
um, where a lot of songs during this era were released very pretty quickly, pretty, very, pretty soon after they were released. Yeah. I thought the song sounded like source material for, there's an album by Sheila E. called The Glamorous Life, and there's a song called Next Time Wipe the Lipstick Off Your Collar, uh-huh. and it sounds a lot like this song. Hmm. Okay. I listened to this album in so long, I had forgotten that. Mm-hmm. This song is, there's some melodrama going on here. Oh, there Even is a lot of drama. The music is kind of really melodramatic. The whole thing is over the top <laughs> drama. Yes, making a big deal out of everything. Yes. I guess is how I saw it. And this was one of the points on this record that I really felt like uh, we don't need a ballad. It's uh, don't, <laughs> we, don't sing we this. Don't. <laughs> don't, don't sing don't, this. Don't, but they did anyway. They, so we're going to talk did. about it for a minute. I thought it was fun that she admitted that Vanity is right. really her name. My made up name is Vanity. Yes. So I read that somebody else said, well, obviously it refers to nipples because there's three women and two nipples a piece. That would be six. See, that's why I said early on Vanity Six was like a nipple count thing. But like you said, men men, have nipples too. And that would be, that would also be true. So I think the key here is that she talks about tribulation. Everybody gets three years of tribulation unless they lie. So she has a made-up name. So it's kind of like she's lying about her name and who she is. So there are two versions of her. And so she has, because there's three years of tribulation for each version of her. So three times two is six years of tribulation for her because she's quote-unquote lying about who she is stage names not actually lying but i think that's kind of that maybe gives it a little bit more depth wow that gives it a lot more depth than i ever credited for (laughs) but that does make sense Mm -hmm. what kind of tricks is the mailman pulling on working women in 1982 okay so i was thinking about that like the poor mailman i love the mail i love the mail i love getting the mail it's like a blind bag for me as an adult you actually get a blind bag every once in a while every once in a while yes i do get my little makeup in the mail mail. i could i would like to opt out of the mail uh, well i wouldn't because it would make you sad okay oh that's nice so i don't know how the mailman is tricking her but a working girl yeah. A prostitute, a yes, sex worker. That's true. Wouldn't get her paycheck in the mail. So if the mailman is stealing checks, she wouldn't have to worry about that. Wow. That and is, tricks. You, is this your insight? Yes. That is some good insight. Well, you know, and tricks kind of uh-huh. plays into the whole sex sure. worker thing. Sure. So there you go. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> To explain this melodramatic. Well, I've never been a woman. I've never had breasts, and I don't get the mail. So there's not a lot here for me to understand. Do you know who Greta Garbo is? I do. Okay. (laughs) 
I thought that was funny because we know Prince loves his old movies. He loves old movies, yep. yes, for sure. And there's a cool guitar solo. There is. I think that saves... I, that was going to be my positive comment about this song, is that there is a great guitar solo at the end. There's just... Man, does this thing draw out for a long time. Uh, it, uh, that's why I'm trying to give it a little more meaning so that yeah, I could try and enjoy it, it a little more. I'm just, uh, I was not a fan from start to finish. It was, uh, I was proud of myself when I listened through the entire thing multiple okay, times. See, and I thought it was like, I thought you were going to be like, yes, absolutely. I think that I'm glad I could bring something that you hadn't thought about. No, I've got so little insight into the song, honestly. So this is why we've got a man and a woman. <laughs> That's right. We're listening to these songs for you, the listener. (laughs) That's right. All right. Then we have four additional songs that we're going to talk about. Right. So we have a song that was thought to be for Vanity Six's second album. Yes. But it was scrapped when Vanity left the group. Right. Vibrator. Uh, Yes. It is exactly what you think it is. Oh, yes. There's um, no no bones about it. It's a child's... Nursery rhyme. <laughs> Not. Yes. There's nothing trying to be hidden in this song. Uh-uh. Uh, it's very, 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 very overt. Right. Uh, yeah, overt. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say another word. I thought you were, you said it's very, very over. I thought you were thinking of it, what it was. Over. <laughs> no, overt. Overt. Gotcha. I'll put that at the end. Okay, there good. We go. Jill Jones <laughs> makes an appearance on the song, yes, which is a lot the of fun. Yes, Yes. So we know, just to set the stage, it is about a, it's Vanity singing about her sex toy and that yes. it's there for her now. Her personal massager. Her personal massager, but it runs out of batteries. Uh-huh. Yes. The batteries run out. It doesn't run out of batteries. The batteries yes. are still there. They're not <laughs> they holding just power no anymore. longer have Right. <laughs> so she goes on a search for batteries. Yes. And we get to hear what ensues. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is Jill Jones as uh-huh. a shop owner or, you know, the clerk uh-huh. who uh, is a little surprised at the size of the device that she And impressed. I'm not quite sure why you wouldn't leave the thing at home and just, just take, take the, the batteries. batteries in your purse. But where's the fun in that for a song? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You don't get to have Jill Jones try and steal it and, and take, it, take it for a ride. That's right. <laughs> just like... Oh, sure, we have batteries. They're in the storage room. Tell you what, I'll just take this downstairs and put them in. Nah. That's so gross. It's so gross. It is gross, but I think that's why they did it. It's a single-user item. Yeah. It's It's a... It was just a point of being shocking or something (laughs) you did not expect. Yes. I thought it was funny that she, uh, she told the guy that her toy Uh made him obsolete. Yes. Like he's the piece of equipment instead of her. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, there is, I don't know, It's this whole thing is on the bleeding edge of exploiting women to putting women in a position of power yeah. at times. <laughs> yeah. It does both. It's, a, it's a, an interesting juxtaposition of songs. I think it's completely indicative of any attempt in the early 80s uh, to put 
women in a position of power. It was always underlaid with these, yeah, but they're still women and they still uh. do these things and I'm a nasty girl uh-huh. and you still refer to me as a girl. Uh-huh. You know? All that stuff is here. I don't think it was unique to this album. No. I think it was unique to the, the time, time period. period. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Jill can't help Vanity and upsets her a lot when she says she's going to take the device downstairs and just put those batteries in for her. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she goes elsewhere. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. She runs into Jamie Starr's Battery World. <laughs> Jimmy's boyfriend. Jimmy's girlfriend. Jimmy's girlfriend. Yes, exactly. Here she is again. Come to just buy... If she's going to insult her on the phone, we don't know if she's wearing a mattress on her back behind the (laughs) counter. (laughs) But her... His reaction to... Vanity trying to pass it off as a body massager <laughs> is one of the best moments in Prince recorded dialogue there is. It's great. Period. Yes. Body it's massager. <laughs> body massager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my back's been acting up. Yeah. You see, my back's been acting up lately. In fact, it acts up every time my boyfriend leaves. <laughs> like, yeah, my back's been acting up too. Infected except every time my boyfriend leaves. Awesome. Yeah. So funny. Super funny. Yeah. And what kind of engine is in that thing? Because it sounds like a jet. It does. A jet or like a chainsaw. I don't know. That's why she likes it so much. Because <laughs> it's powerful. Right. Yeah. It sounds like the kind of thing you might just want to plug in and save yourself the trouble of having to go out for batteries. <laughs> Maybe they didn't make ACDC versions Maybe back so. in the day. Maybe so. I don't know. Oh, so the song ends with Vanity enjoying her hardware, I yes. guess you could say, with moans and she pleases herself. Yes. This track was not used, of course, because uh, Vanity left the group and it wasn't something that was ever considered for Apollonia 6's album, but the moans of Vanity's did make the song very utilitarian for Prince because they showed up in a bunch of different songs. Yes. Uh, Some of the Madhouse tracks and then also as a solo track, which Prince recorded his own voice over uh, the closing track on Come. Uh-huh. And he credited Vanity with she knows <laughs> who she is, essentially. That's cool. Yeah. And then um, at one point, the song was given to Eric Leeds yes. for possible inclusion on an instrumental album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we was... don't know if Eric Leeds ever worked on it. Yes. Maybe yeah. we can reach out to Eric Leeds. Oh. He's a friendly man. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if he ever did. Yeah. There were a handful of songs from throughout the 80s that Prince gave to Eric Leeds for consideration for him to rework onto uh, Madhouse 24 and other instrumental stuff. Yeah. Cool. This was one of them. All right. So we're on the home stretch here. We've covered all of the Vanity 6 album and then one unreleased song uh, by Vanity 6. And we've got three more tracks for you that were unreleased during this time period. The first one that we'll start for was something that was considered for the Hookers album, but abandoned when Vanity Six formed. And it was a song called Jealous Girl. Yes. It was offered to both the Bengals and Von Gates. Yes. Which I think is, I mean, these are some really great bands that Prince worked with and contributed to. And 
And the Bengals rejected it but accepted Manic Monday and yes. turned it into a big hit for themselves. Bonnie Raitt on vocals uh, happened in 1987, and Eric Leeds added some sax for it, and that version was never released. Mm-hmm. We, the song that we listened to, the unreleased version, is the 1987 reworking with Prince's vocals, which may have been original from the 1981 recording. Okay. But it does have Eric Leeds' sax contributions and has a little bit more of a Sign of the Times era feel to it. Very, very short, very, very fast. Very, very disturbing. She (laughs) needs some professional help. This girl is a handful. Yeah. Yeah. Though, it's interesting because I could kind of see lyrically why other people might not want it because it's kind of a lot. But it reminded me of Carrie Underwood's hit, Before He Cheats. Because she goes on to destroy his car. Oh. It, that's it, basically what the whole song is about. Is yeah, she it's destroys, violent. Yeah. yeah, violence out of jealousy. Yeah. But she's destroying a thing, whereas Prince uh-huh. is saying, uh, so I cut up her faith. I didn't like it, so I cut up her faith. Yes. It's a little more intense. Yes. It's more of attacking a person rather than an inanimate object. Though... The jealous girl in this song does blow up the other girl's car. As well, yes. Yeah. That's okay, cause I blew up her When she ends up at her man's house. Yep. So. It's like seems- all of the insults from when a girl answers, don't hang up, turn into physical action. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty intense. It is. It yep. reminded me of Once Upon a Time, when we didn't have children. We went to a drag bar and saw a group called the Box Cutter Bitches. Yes. And they, it was their thing uh-huh. that they had box cutters that were all bejeweled. Uh-huh. And especially the cut up your face part. It sounded yeah. like that that would come out of That's that funny. group. Yeah. That's they what it reminded me of. A delightful group of people. Yeah. How the lyrics with Bonnie Raitt singing would have were I just can't even I can't either hear it no I can't I can't see it and I've not heard it and probably nobody ever will <laughs> all right then we have do yourself a favor right also known as if you see me yes this song has a big history uh, in Prince lore um, it was part of a group of songs that were recorded by a group called 94 East featuring Prince on guitar is one of the earliest recording sessions featuring Prince to ever be released. Yes. Uh, it's not a bootleg. You can find it on Apple Music, and we've got I've got probably three different versions of it. I remember being is. super excited when we found that back when yeah. there were record stores everywhere mm-hmm. and we knew which record stores carried imports and bootlegs. Yes. I remember finding this yes. album there. Yep, and it's it since been released exciting. a couple times. Yeah. So can we talk about a little story about the background of the song as according to Prince Vault? So one of Prince's early mentors, producers named Pepe Willie Mm -hmm. recounted that Prince was really unhappy with his guitar playing at the end uh, of recording the song originally and asked the next day if he could re-record a section of his part. And so he arranged uh, with the studio for this to happen while he went and played golf. And so Prince was left in the studio to do this. And due to a change in the recording equipment's EQ levels, uh, which had been changed for another artist's recording ses- session, 
Prince's re-recorded guitar part sounds completely, completely different, different from the rest of the song, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Yep. Um, so in 1982, Prince recorded this version that we listened to that's almost all sung in a Jamie Starr kind of voice. And his track recorded at home, uh, he renamed Do Yourself a Favor instead of If You See Me. And according to Pepe, Prince recorded it completely from memory, hadn't heard it in however long it had been, six, seven years since they had worked on it, and uh, recorded his own version. Jesse Johnson released a similar version. You're nodding your head like you read the same stuff that I did. It's on his uh, album called Shockadelica. Um, and was also called Do Yourself a Favor, but it lacks the end of Prince's version where he kind of has a one-way conversation with his ex-girlfriend about, uh, I'm not crazy, you're crazy. Uh Uh-huh. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So lots of Jamie Starr voices in the song, and you can really see his, I don't know, his views on money, I guess. Like, look... You know what that is? That's a $50 bill. When's the last time you've seen one of them? And you're like, oh, today a $50 bill is not really a sign of Yeah, but you don't see a lot of them. That's true. That's just Most places won't take a $50 bill. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's if it's true. bigger than a 20 they don't want it. Right. Yep. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this because I have heard this is one of the first Prince unreleased songs that I had ever heard in crummy quality with hissing behind it. And uh-huh. since there's been better quality versions that started circulating. So you got to enjoy it in a little bit better quality Mm -hmm. than me the first time I heard it. I really love the register of his voice. Yeah. It reminded me of Dionne Warwick's 1964 hit Mm. Walk On By. Okay. If you see me walking down the street and I start to cry each time we meet, walk on by. Yeah. So it's yeah, kind of similar, similar themes. They don't really sound like. Yeah, but the. But the themes of you know if being it, confident. I, yeah, and, or just walk on by. If you see me, uh-huh. I just just keep going. Yes. I don't need to stop and talk to you. I'm doing fine without you. Just yep. leave me be. Both yeah. of these songs have kind of a similar, and you could totally tell it was a 70s song. It had mm-hmm. a lot of 70s sounds to it, but in a really interesting way. Yeah, very happy music, too. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned earlier on one of the, which song was it from the Vanity Six album, where the music was happy. And wet dream. A wet dream, but the lyrics kind of were in contrast to it. And this is, too. Yes. I mean, it's an uplifting song because it's about Prince's own uh, I've gotten over you kind of thing, and it's yeah. okay but until a- he rolls into the He hasn't really gotten over you yet because <laughs> I still want to insult you. Yes, exactly. Uh, Prince does some vocalizing with the synthesizers. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Pretty cool. So good. Yeah. It's so good. And then there's funny stuff. Somebody call up the colonel. I hear some chicken <laughs> scratching. Somebody call up the colonel. I hear some chicken scratching. Yeah, he says that a couple times in the song. Do yourself a favor and walk on by because I'll kick your ass. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> Let that sidewalk hit you where the dog should have bit you. Yes, baby. Yeah. Let that sidewalk hit you where the dog should have bit you. Yes, baby. Yeah, it was kind of a nice play on the 
let the doorknob hit you where the Lord split you. Yeah, or don't usually is how it is. Don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely Um, a kiss-off song, I guess you could say. Well, it is. And then at the end, it starts fading out after nearly nine minutes. It's a long song. And he's telling her to buzz off. Yep. And then she actually listens. That's right. And he says... I'm the one that's crazy. You're not crazy. Come here. Don't walk away from me. I don't care. You're not crazy. I'm crazy. I'm the one that's crazy. You're not crazy. Come here. Yes. <laughs> Come back here. Right. Don't yeah. walk away. Don't walk away. Yeah. I yeah. think that was very intentional. You know, this oh. whole song, walk on by, I don't need, we're, I'm good without you. And then he gets her attention again and, and she goes to walk away and uh-huh. he's after her. Yeah. Trying to plead his case about how... He he really wants her to continue to want him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he can we say see, we see through you, Prince. Yeah. <laughs> Nine minutes of walk on by, and then you beg her to come back. Yeah, doth protest too much. Yes, yes. I love this. Um, Jesse Johnson's version is very similar. Okay. Um, Prince's version to me is just he's got a little bit more. Well, not a little bit more. Sorry, Jesse. A whole lot more emotion, and it's so I don't know. He's more insane. And if you listen to Jesse's version, it's very it's delivered very pointily, and it is more of a I'm over you. Okay. Uh-huh. And there's not this twist with oh yeah, yeah really, he uh, actually uh, is yeah. over the per the yeah. love interest. Yep. Whereas. Prince is kind of trying to talk himself into being over the love interest. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. All right. Then the final song we're going to talk about, we have Baby, You're a Trip, which ended up on Jill Jones' self-titled album in 1987. Yep. There's a lot of good stuff here. There's a whole bunch of little vocal bits that really make this recording. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Even like right off the bat with him like singing little, the doo doos, uh huh, right at the very beginning of yeah. the song. Yeah, the, I did not know that this was recorded the day after he recorded Lady Cab Driver, so oh. a song that was inspired by Jill Jones as uh-huh. the original Lady Cab Driver later ended up being sung by Jill Jones on her own album very cool. uh, a number of years later. It's very, very cool. We get a really cool primal scream at like oh, the three yeah. minute and ten second mark. One of the first Prince's primal screams on record in, nice. in that kind of way where he's truly screaming lyrics and it's right. not just uh, an accent of some kind. Yeah. He's, he's scream singing. Yeah. <laughs> does it really well obviously as pretty young prince yep of course prince plays all the instruments and does all the vocals on this version i thought that it matched well with moonbeam levels which we um yeah covered in a previous previous episode i kind of saw this as a sister song to moonbeam levels and i don't know why but very sweet and thoughtful lyrics kind of storytelling and again a great vocal delivery by prince throughout this and uh, we we said on other songs where the name of the titles of other songs are mentioned, and that's something that continues here, where he say he sings something in the water does not compute. Yes. 
Um, and this was recorded, you know, around that era. So he obviously knew what he was, he was doing. There. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's told that, uh, he finds her captivating because she's famous, but he tells her he'd be just as captivated if she were flat broke. She's right. that special. Yes. I think it was as poetic as Moonbeam levels also. The chorus being, baby, you're an ocean that's too wide to cross. Yeah. Baby, you're the cross that's too deep to bear. Baby, you're the star that's too far away. Baby, you're a trip and a half, but I don't care. Yeah. Baby, you're an ocean that's too wide to cross. Baby, you're the cross that's too deep to bear. Yeah, really good. So in the word trip, uh-huh. obviously it means a literal going to a destination. Uh-huh. That's a trip. There are a lot of colloquial trip meanings that I think add some nice level, levels and layers mm-hmm. to the song. To yeah. lose your cool. Yeah. To be funny in a crazy way. Mm-hmm. The effects of hallucinogenic drugs. Yes. To not be thinking clearly. Yes. I'm All tripping over these, you. Yeah, kind of yeah. Like she's a trip. She's she's far. She's exotic. She's crazy. She's fun. She m- makes him lose his head. It's all... All of it's kind of there. Yeah, I could almost see him stumbling on this word, a trip, and seeing there's different ways that I can make this work in a song, and then the lyrics just kind of poured out of him, it seems like. And I've got to give Jill Jones credit, because you hear the song, and then you think, oh, well, someone else recorded it and put it on their album, and you're like, well, it could never be as good as what I just heard. Her version is awesome. Oh, good. It's excellent. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I haven't listened to it yet, because we're going to... We're going to talk about that at some point in the future. Yeah, she crushes it on oh, her album. Good. So it's good. Um, I think it'll be fun to get to. Cool. Yep. Very cool. Oh All my right. gosh. That was a lot of material for a 1982 era. Amazing. 31 minute album. <laughs> oh, this one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, then of course we expanded on that. Wow. Well. So, and we didn't even cover all the unreleased music that there was during this era. Oh, it's just, of course there's, not. there's almost too much. Yeah. There is too much. There is too much. But we should hear it. Someone should put it out. I wish there was uh-huh. someone who could do that. Yeah. There is, by the way. Yeah. I wish they would. Yeah. Take my money. Get your act together, Prince <laughs> Estate. <laughs> All right. So we have rules. We've reached that point in our podcast where we have some formats, some rules that we follow. We sure. find a time capsule, which is something that exemplifies the era in which the music was recorded or when it was released. Those are all pretty close. That sounds right to me. Uh Go on. The C, the low point for us, not bad necessarily, just the thing that spoke to us the least. That too sounds right to me, yes. The mountain, the high point, the thing that we liked the most. Agree. And we do not... 
We don't share these. We don't share these with one another until this very moment. That's right. It's a lot of pressure. That's right. All right, so the time capsule. Go ahead. For me, because of the synths are so 80s, drive me wild. The what is so 80s? The synths. The oh, synths. I thought you the said synths. synths. Like, <laughs> no, the synthesizers. did you get the Smell-O-Vision version <laughs> of Vanity 6 that I did not get? I don't want to That would not be a good experience. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, the sense on Drive Me Wild. Yeah. Yeah, the album yeah. version. Yes. The one you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Very cool. cool. Yes. Um, my time capsule was very easy to me. It's Nasty Girl. I think yeah. when you, I think most people who are our age, if you heard the first part of Nasty Girl, which you thought went on too long, uh-huh. you would be like, oh, I, I know this song. I mean, you couldn't say that about any other song on this oh, album. I think that was, fair. that was the, so to me, that was an easy choice as the time capsule was Nasty Girl. And to be honest with you, it wasn't that long ago that I found myself confusing Nasty Girl and Sex Shooter from um, Purple Rain. Oh. They're, they're very similar in, yeah. in songs and that's fair. in sound. So even Nasty Girl reminds me of Purple Rain when, it, when I really should be associating it with <laughs> 1999 because it has nothing to do with Purple Rain. Right. So it really is a time capsule to me. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So the C, the thing that spoke to us the least. Yes. He's so dull. Does she like him or not? So why, if he's rude to her and boring... Why does she care? And mm-hmm. it's so sing-songy. It is very, very sing-songy. I mean, it's white man's overbite okay. sing-songy. <laughs> white man's overbite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I can see where you're coming from. Uh huh. For me, it's three times two equals six. Oh. I want to clean my ears with a Q-tip and then shove them inside my ears oh. when I hear the song. I do not like. It might not matter who sings it. Okay. I can't stand it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, you know what? I, if you never want to listen to it again, that's fine. I probably will not. But it was just, like <laughs> you said. I'll not listen to He's So Dull, okay. and you'll not listen to Three Times Two Well, that six, means the whole album will get listened to in one way or another. Oh, but that's right. I just feel like they were singing beyond their means on the song. Fair. And that they were clearly not put together to sing ballads. That This was a funky electronic new wave kind of group and when they strayed from that Ugh. like on this song yes and i mean i can't even blame the three women in the group for that this was a prince thing <laughs> um, you're gonna blame prince I'll, for blame, the... I'll blame prince for this math problem yeah but also i will caveat it with these albums by the time and vanity six were meant to be experiments he was spreading his wings creatively seeing what other kinds of stuff which just pour out of him, and this is one of them. But it made the album, um, which I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, give me any put vibrator give, no, on there. Put instead. Jealous Girl on here instead. Oh yeah. Then the mountain, the thing that we like the most. Yeah. If a girl answers, don't hang up. Yes. Because yes. the barbs are so funny. <laughs> yes. And there's some truly funky guitar. Yes. It was like a time song to me. The most, yes. the song that was closest to a song by the time. Because it kind of had Morris Day's humor through Prince's Jamie Starr voice. The music is fun, um, and the lyrics going back and forth, I agree. I can't yeah. argue with that at all. In yep. fact, I would have made that. That is definitely my mountain from the Vanity 6 album, but because we included these other oh, okay. unreleased songs. I didn't mean, I didn't. That's fine. Incorporate those in my selection because they weren't released, but that's True. Fine. Yes. Well, I would say... We've done that before and avoided some songs as the C because the choice was not to release it. We had right. no business 
listening to this stuff. Here, I've got to go with Baby, You're a Trip. Oh, yeah, um, it was great. And it's, it's not so because it's unreleased. It is released, and most of the original music that you hear on this version we reviewed is on Jill's album. Her vocals are new. Um, but I just thought, because it sounds, again, like a sister to Moonbeam Levels, it's yeah. so smartly written, the vocalization on it is so great, and it's almost like I can't even imagine why this didn't end up on a Prince album. But to Jill Jones' credit, like I said, she made it her own on her, on her version. Yeah. But um, So sorry, Vanity Six, Prince got you beat with a song that he never released on his own. But <laughs> I do like... If a girl answers, don't hang up. Yeah. It's my favorite song off the album. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right. So we've covered all of the 1999 era stuff that we're going to cover at this time. So that means it's time for us to select a new album, new Prince album to cover. New era. Can we new call it new era? era? Sure. A new we're era. Call a, it new, a new era. A new era. Uh, um, and I don't know what these are. Josh don't. selects them and nope. it's always a surprise for me when we record. So what well, is that? What are we going to talk about? All right. I think you'll be pleased. We're going to cover the 1994-1995 era. Okay. Starting with the album Come. Okay. And including the Gold Experience <gasps> because they were all recorded around the same time. Oh. This is Christie's favorite oh. album is the gold experience yes. um we've been doing this podcast for more than a year so i figured you know <laughs> we've got to get to the stuff that she's probably looking forward to the most eventually oh. so we'll cover the album come okay we'll cover the album the gold experience uh-huh. there are concerts uh in that era there are it was kind of the last golden era of Prince Maxi signals mm-hmm. from the album Come with Space and Let It Go. There is an after show from this era where Prince has completely lost his voice. Oh. And we are going to listen to that uh, because it is hilarious and awesome. Awesome. And who knows what else. We'll dig okay. it up and we'll cover it and we'll talk about yeah. it next time. So next time we're going we're gonna to do Come? Yes, it was okay. released first. Okay. Uh, but because... The music from the Gold Experience was recorded basically at the same time as Come, and songs from each album were mixed back and forth on initial uh, track lists. Uh-huh. We're going to treat them as kind of one era. Excellent. I cannot wait. I'm super excited. All right. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending a long time with us today talking about this album and some additional stuff. We hope that you found it valuable. We appreciate that you took the time to listen to us. And again, we apologize for being a little late, but we'll be back at you in a couple weeks with Come. See you then.